0: Welcome to the week 12 sit start podcast. We are shockingly close to the end of the NFL season. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this yet, but I'm Eric Smith of QBlist.com, and I'm joined by Ryan Heath, who has returned to us from a brief absence to watch the New England Patriots beat the New York Jets in stunning fashion 10 to three. Ryan, welcome back. How did you enjoy that game?
1: Well, it was a cold and miserable slog for pretty much all but the last 10 seconds, but that that was pretty fun to watch the return touchdown. The stadium got pretty excited then, uh and th- and then we all left. It it was just it was a very like quick adrenaline hit and then it was over. It, it was a I- interesting game experience, but I had a lot of fun. I had amazing seats. Me and my brother were like picking on every Jets player on the sideline. We Greg Zerline was like sitting by himself on the bench and we were pointing and laughing like just just stuff like that is the stuff you don't get when you're watching on TV. So I'm really glad I went. It was a lot of fun.
0: Sounds great. Yeah. Going to a live football game is a little different. Like, I feel like you can go to just a random baseball game and just kind of enjoy yourself and talk to your friends. And you go to a football game, if you're not into it, if it's not a meaningful game, it's a, it's an odd experience. And uh, that was a meaningful game for the Patriots and Jets. But I'm sure by the fourth quarter when it was three to three and it was cold, you all We're thinking about just heading home, I'm sure. So um, yeah, the NFL games are a different experience when the weather turns and uh, we see some ugly football. But glad you got to enjoy that. Um, Had a good time chatting with uh, Drew DeLuca on what we saw. So um yeah it's it's thanksgiving week we're here uh we're coming to you a day early so we can make sure you're all ready for thanksgiving games we got three of them coming up um give you something to listen to while you're traveling so as always check out sit start on the website Um, our article has every single player covered it's going to be coming to you a day early as well on wednesday so everything's bumped up a day this week but we are excited to be here Um, We had an idea for an intro segment, uh, courtesy of Justin Havelock, who uh, produces our podcast. Um, Ryan, he wants to know what guest, football or non-football, would you invite to your Thanksgiving dinner, if you could invite anyone. Who you got?
1: So there are so many options here, but (laughs) I think I'm going to dig up like an old beef here. It, It would be Arthur Smith. I need to sit Arthur Smith down at a table and be like, all right, what? eat eat some mashed potatoes. We'll get a few drinks in you, whatever it is. And I just need to look that man in the eye and say, Hey, what is the deal with you not throwing the ball to Drake London and Kyle Pitts? Why were there points? Kyle Pitts is probably out for the season at this point. So the points moot. but I, why were there points at this season uh, in this season where Kyle Pitts was pass blocking? Like what, what is up with your usage of these two players that your team just spent multiple top 10 draft selections on what is what's going on i just want to hear what comes out of his mouth i i'm sure it will be the same like non-answers and vaguely blaming fantasy football people that he does to the media but i'm just kind of interested if anything would change face to face
0: yeah he could get some wine in them or uh, a couple Bud lights. Maybe you'll uh, get some truth serum in them and you'll, you'll find out the real answer. So that's, that's not a bad one here. Um, I, I figured, you know, for a Bengals fan that has his own podcast, I don't gush quite enough about Joe Burrow. So I'm going to go ahead and say, I'll invite Joe Burrow. There are a lot of reasons, but uh, he just, you know, me and my friends like to joke occasionally after some of these games, like the game against the Steelers, we, we sit back afterwards and be like, wow, could you imagine us winning that game with Andy Dalton, a quarterback? Like it's uh uh, we are pretty high on Joe Burrow at this point, and uh, not to mention, you know, I don't want to get political here, but he had, he's had some progressive stances on gun control and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, and he just seems like an all-around great guy. So I love Joe Burrow. I will have him over to my Thanksgiving dinner any day of the week, Ryan. So that, that's my choice. There are a lot of, like, authors and musicians I could pick, but uh, this is a football co- podcast, so uh, Joe Burrow, he's coming over to dinner for me.
1: That must be nice to have a franchise quarterback that you can feel awesome about and gush over uh, it here in new England. We have the guy that is desperately trying to create his own lifestyle brand. It that is totally not like a just brazen attempt at kind of copying what Tom Brady does. But it it's like really sad when the Mac Jones commercials come on and it, it it's called like no bull or something. It's like really really sad and cringy I anytime I see it I'm just like what why are you doing this why why are you try, trying to do the Tom Brady thing both on and off the football field and just kind of failing at it
0: yeah it's really hard as a Bengals fan. Like we get these snapshots. Uh, the Athletic beat reporters for uh, the Bengals they told a story where like they're getting they're on the the elevator at the team hotel and they the, the door opens and they just see him playing with a practice squad player and like a, a rookie on the defense playing cards with them. Like Burrow's just so down to earth. Like it's it, it almost feels like it's a something's something's not right here. Like this is too good. Bengals fans don't get this usually. So um, I'm enjoying it while I can for sure. Looking forward to the stretch around here. It's. It's going to be a lot like last season where the Bengals played a playoff game for like two months straight. So it's going to be stressful, but I am ready for it with Joe Burrow and he uh, hopefully he's coming over to dinner on uh, on Thursday. So, all right. Um, that's, our, that's our intro segment. Uh, we are going to spend a little bit of time on the actual Thanksgiving games this week. Um, there are three of them. Uh, there are a lot of important sit-start decisions, but really what we want to get into here, Ryan, is Thanksgiving DFS. It's I'm not into DFS as much as you are, but Daily Fantasy Thanksgiving is just like a special time of the year. You get three individual slates. If you want to do the single game showdowns, you can do three different games, Uh, but you can also do a a single game slate or a single day slate with three games on it. And that's kind of what we're going to focus on here. So we wanted to go through uh, some of our picks for Thanksgiving DFS. And um, yeah, Ryan, start us out with this. How are you going to build your lineup? What are are your overall thoughts for the slate?
1: Yeah, so first my immediate disclaimer is I am horrible at Thanksgiving DFS. I don't think I've ever had a profitable Thanksgiving week in si- since I started playing DFS. It's just just always doesn't work out for me. So, I take anything I'm about to say with a grain of salt. Go go ahead and tail the opposite of everything I say, but just looking at this slate, kind of thinking about it almost like a showdown slate just because of how few games there are, I think you have to be thinking, how do I get unique, especially if we're playing in these large field tournaments? So starting at the quarterback position, I just don't see how you get off of Josh Allen, unfortunately. Like it, I would love to say, yeah, I'm I'm going to play Kirk Cousins or I'm going to galaxy brain a Jared Goff stack or something. But Josh Allen at 8K d- does not matter that he's the most expensive quarterback by 1800 DraftKings dollars like that nobody else just projects well at all uh the, like this Vikings Patriots game is I probably not a great game environment same with Dallas New York like that I just don't expect much scoring in any of these games besides Bill's Lions so I think you have to start from the assumption of okay I'm playing Josh Allen and some sort of Bill's Lions stack and the goal has to be, well, how do I get unique within that? Because that it is what everyone else will be doing. But I, I just think it's by far like highest probability. Like it, I think it's fine that it's chalky. You just have to find other ways to get unique.
0: Okay, Ryan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to sell you on this here, okay?
1: Can, okay, I, can I interest
0: it. you in a Daniel Jones at quarterback? Um, 27 points last week. Yes, it was against Detroit. I know at Dallas scary pass rush. That's not great. Uh, but Jones had seven rushes for 50 yards. I, I watched that game for what we saw and like the Lions were selling out. They just, the Giants just do read option every play with Daniel Jones and uh, Saquon Barkley. And the Lions were just selling out to stop Saquon Barkley. And so Daniel Jones was often just running free for like 15, 20 yards. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 27 points last week, like Josh Allen has only done that once in the past four. Like it, it's, it's possible, right?
1: I, it, it is possible. And jo- Jones is probably my second favorite quarterback play on here. Like they're yep. it, especially just think thinking about upside like that. Yeah. He gives you the rushing. Uh, he is my QB 15 this week. So not, I mean, not a horrible play. I think I'm lower than consensus. My, my question is just like, who does, who does he throw to like Wandale <laughs> Robinson, uh, is out for the season, which was incredibly cruel from the football gods. He was finally having a real breakout game. Uh, I just have trouble getting excited about this Giants offense. I I get it as far as like it lets you get different. It probably lets you play some of the running back chalk chalk that is more attractive. So I I guess I don't hate it. Yeah, I I'll go back and forth on that probably before lock.
0: Yeah, I mean he seems like the only option to me, like as much as we would like to, I don't know, take a shot on, I mean, I don't think Mac Jones against Minnesota is the worst matchup in the world, but that just feels awfully low ceiling for Mac Jones in a DFS slate. Kirk Cousins against new England. I want no part of Ryan, even at home. Like I just, I want no part of him against new England. Maybe that means he's contrarian, but and then even Dak home against the Giants, like Dak just feels like he's at the point of better real life quarterback right now than fantasy quarterback. Maybe that changes. But uh, the, the running game has been so good for Dallas. He just has not been putting up difference making numbers. So I, I do agree. Josh Allen is the clear choice in this DFS slate. I, I just I guess I'm kind of making an argument here for Daniel Jones because he, he's the only other alternative I really see here.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you think any of these other five quarterbacks are decent options, if you like, if you can tell yourself any sort of story, you probably should play them because that, like, this is any any of them are contrarian. Like you, and yeah. that's never a bad thing. Right. Well, it can be a bad thing if you galaxy brain too hard. But I, uh, yeah, if you have a strong lean into Daniel Jones, then yeah, you should probably play a bunch of Daniel Jones lineups. It, it yeah like i said it it'll help you play better plays elsewhere because that i when i'm sitting here making a josh allen lineup and i'm playing like guys i don't want but i'm still mm-hmm. thinking it's too is it it is really rough to try to build that way
0: yeah and daniel jones last week again this was against the lions but he did not look real good but it was encouraging he had 44 passing attempts through for 341 yards like they got the ball before the end of the first half with not a whole lot of time, and they let him, like, sling it and try to get in field goal range. I, I feel like there are some other quarterbacks where the coaches would baby them and not give them a chance, and it does kind of feel like they're letting Daniel Jones sling it a little bit if they are trailing, so I guess that's kind of the story I can paint here against the Cowboys. They're down. He gets a bunch of passing attempts, but it's also very possible that, you know, Parsons just wrecks this and, and Jones throws for 188 yards, so that that's totally in the range outcomes here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am flashing back to a month and a half ago when Justin Fields was going up against the Cowboys and I had this whole, like, cope story about how the pressure rate was actually good because it would force Fields to scramble and run more. So I, you could say something similar about Daniel Jones in, in theory, I guess, like that. That's probably, yeah, it's probably fine. But, but just talk me through. So if if you are playing Daniel Jones... I guess I assume you're bringing back some combination of Tony Pollard and well, really just Tony Pollard. He's clear, clearly the good, the good chalk there on the Cowboys, but who else are you interested in stacking him with in that game?
0: Yeah. So obviously Wandale Robinson out for the year ACL, very sad. He was finally breaking out. I know the whole fantasy industry is still mourning over this, but uh, for me, it's, I I I don't know. It's it's. I'm surprised that I'm saying this, but it's Darius Slayton. Like he, I thought he looked really good last week. Like he was a good route runner in that game. I watched for what we saw. Um, He just he looked like a polished receiver, and he's one of those players I've always been surprised that he does not get a little more run. Like it seems like when he's on the field, he's relatively productive, and he's last man standing for the Giants. Like. Galladay was not all that involved like they're getting Isaiah Hodgins involved there's a few other people but it was really Slayton and Wandale Robinson last week and we'll get to Saquon later I, I'm a little disappointed in how they're using him in the passing game um, with you know tight end injuries like there's just not much else there so it's Darius Slayton for me if I'm going to stack with Daniel Jones and then you're right uh, Tony Pollard on the other side is who I'd bring back for the Cowboys maybe Dalton Schultz just for a, a tight end option but um, it's Slayton. And as far as running backs, like uh, it's, it's Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson for me. I think they're the clear options. I'm really good at picking the chalk every week and, uh, not profiting off of it in DFS. So, um, if you want to avoid a running back, I would avoid Pollard or Stevenson because everyone is going to roster them because I am currently.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, they are the best plays when I just kind of glance at it too. So it, yeah, you want to play some amount of them, but like yeah, if you're doing like a Josh Allen lineup with Stefan Diggs and Amar St. Brown, yeah, probably stay away from those guys. Um the there are a couple running back pivots I kind of like. Um so Dalvin Cook is between Saquon Barkley and Ramondre Stevenson and salary. Uh will be played much less than either of them, is my guess. Cook I, Cook has been basically a bell cow sit for the last month or so, like since it seems like he's totally over this shoulder injury. So obviously the matchup against the Patriots is not great. Like we, we don't love the game environment for him overall, but on a three game slate, if you get to play like a clear cut top 12 running back at a fraction of the ownership of the other three top 12 running backs that are on the slate, like you should probably do it.
0: No, I mean, I agree. I've been I've been waiting for the true Dalvin Cook breakout for a while now and ranking him accordingly. And it hasn't quite gotten here other than like a long touchdown run here or there. And New England is like the worst matchup for fantasy running backs. So it's not a good matchup, like you said. But I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for in a three-game slate like this. Like nobody's going to pick Dalvin Cook. So yeah, it makes sense. I'm, it, it's, it's a... I wouldn't want too many lineups with him, but maybe that's the bold move you need to take because he's on the field a ton. We know he's talented. This is still a good offense, even if we expect them to struggle a little bit against the Patriots. So yeah, maybe this is a Dalvin Cook game and um, everyone who paid up for the other running backs uh, feels foolish.
1: Yeah, so I said Dalvin Cook first because you're you're probably going to hate my next option and he's just going to make Dalvin Cook sound even better. Mm-hmm. James Cook, his brother, is <laughs> only 4,400 400- I just had 11 rushing attempts and two targets last week. It seems like he's actually becoming somewhat involved in the bill's offense. Now we've talked ad nauseum about how everybody can run on this lions team. I James cook seems like a decent way to get some leverage on all of the chalk that is around him in that game. And I even stacking him with Allen kind of makes sense. Like it, if he's gonna pull a couple targets, maybe one of them's in the end zone, and suddenly you've got the nuts like that. It makes a lot of sense to me. I I don't hate Singletary either. He's he's only fifty seven hundred. I'd imagine he's gonna attract a lot more ownership because he is gonna project much better points per dollar wise there. But I I think yeah, really either Bills running back I I think are particularly strong plays just to just be different against all these bills lions passing game stacks.
0: Yeah. I mean, just from a a season long redraft perspective, I have Devin Singletary RB 23 this week. Um, Obviously James cook is lower than that. Like RB 42. I, I do understand it in a DFS situation. I, that was another game I watched for what we saw last week was bills Browns. And I always struggle with what to do with players or with games like single or with like what cook just had, because He was only on the field for, I think, like 15 snaps and he had 11 rushes and three targets or something like that. So I never know if I should take that as like he was fortunate to get that work on limited snaps or they clearly want him to get the ball and that's going to increase going forward. It's it's uh, I think it's a high variance pick, but that's what you should be looking for in DFS slate. So I'm, I'm on board with it. Detroit's not a good defense, even though they look better against the Giants last week. So there are only so many options in this one. And I would agree James Cook has some upside here.
1: All right. And then I I guess those are my only two like real sickle plays. Um, Looking at cheap wide receivers, which you kind of have to do in formats like this as well. I I just don't want to play any of the Patriots wide receivers. They're all between like 3,100 and 3,900 Thornton, Aguilar, Parker, Bourne are They're all splitting snaps. I don't think any of them are viable at all. Uh, So I would prefer KJ Osborne, uh, who's 3600. Noah Brown is at least running most of the routes for the Cowboys. I uh, ran 24 of 33 last week, which led the team. He's 3500, so I I would stay away from the cheap Patriots receivers in general. But it, I don't know. It feels bad. It feel like it feel it feels hard to just completely fade like it almost an entire passing game but I hmm. I just don't know there's not like a recommendation I can make here because the I think the most talented in this group is Tyquan Thornton he's getting the least playing time so you're, you're just kind of in a catch-22 with all of these guys and none of them really have any upside so I yeah I'm just staying away if I can
0: yeah, I mean, as far as the Patriots go, I do have Jacoby Myers in my lineup. I just, he's consistent and he's, you get a touchdown on top of his consistency and it's a pretty nice week. Um, as far as some deeper wide receiver plays, like I, I, I have Stephon Diggs in my lineup and then uh, a few cheaper options like Jacoby Myers, Darius Slayton, and Adam Thielen. Uh, if we're if we're going deeper than that, like just looking for reasons to get weird at wide receiver, um, I, I think Michael Gallup, like we've kind of all forgotten about him. And he hasn't been that exciting this year, so there's a good reason for that. But he does have 17 targets and 11 catches over his last three games, and we haven't really seen that big play upside, but he sure used to have it. Maybe he's getting back into form off this ACL. So I could see throwing Gallup in a lineup and getting lucky with a long touchdown from him. Uh, but, yeah, there aren't a lot of deep wide receiver plays here that I'm, I'm real excited about. I Like Adam Thielen, that's about as deep as I'm looking here, Darius Slayton. So that's – I think I would rather – pay up a little bit at wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I mostly agree. Like I I mean Amon Ross St. Brown has to be locked into pretty much every lineup. He's ridiculously yep. underpriced at 6600 when he's gonna project fairly similar to like the Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson's. So I yep. I mean he'll that means he'll be extremely chalky, but it's that that's another one that I feel like is hard to get away from. So yeah. yeah. Um I guess other than that, like my looking at tight end, my only take is that TJ Hawkinson is actually really good chalk, like yeah. nine targets, 10 targets, nine targets. Since he joined the Vikings, he he's just seeing incredible usage. I, he's 5k most expensive tight end, but I, he's de- definitely worth that. We'll, we'll project for plenty. Uh, the, the only reason to go off of him is if, it's a part of your stack or if you're purposefully trying to get different at tight end, which is not a horrible idea, Pro- probably the position you want to get different at the most, but yep. I, I I'm just, I feel like TJ Chalkinson is ca- kind of the way to go.
0: Yeah. I ended up with Dalton Schultz at 3,800. I actually, I was trying to get different with my lineup, like you said, so I left $1,300 uh, that I, that I could have spent just on the table. Cause that's one way to do it in these small slates. Um, I could have gotten Hawkinson. I I felt a little bad saying that I wanted to avoid Kirk Cousins against the Patriots and then also playing Adam Thielen and uh, TJ Hawkinson. So that was kind of part of the reason there. I left some money on the table. I, I definitely like just as far as in a vacuum would play TJ Hawkinson. So he's a pretty clear play for me. Um, If you want to get super weird with it and totally punt the position, like Brock Wright played 75% of the snaps for the lions last week. He was tackled at the one yard line off of a play action. He's got no ceiling, um, but he's 2,900, so if you were just looking to get real crazy, spend up on a bunch of positions and and punt the tight end position, I suppose he's an option, but it, I mean, even if he scored a touchdown last week, he would have scored like eight points, so I'm, I'm not sure if that's worth it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's decent. Dawson Knox is 3,500. Um, he, he's another way to get a piece of the Bills that will not be as heavily chalky, I, I would imagine, as if you were tra- going for Diggs or Gabe Davis, but. Yeah. That the God, this tight end slate is just so cursed when you scrolled, like open your phone and scrolled through the tight ends. If you want to be depressed when you're listening (laughs) to this podcast, because it's Hawkinson, Schultz, Knox, and then just blah. Well, Hawkinson Schultz and Knox
0: are three of the top 10 on the week. I think so. (laughs) this is about as good as it gets, Ryan. It's a tight end is not great.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I think that's kind of all the DFS takes that I have. Um, I'll just read down this pro- probably really chalky lineup I made. I, w- I would probably want to swap like Dalvin cook in for one of these running backs somehow, but I went with a Josh Allen lineup, uh, got Gabe Davis and James cook as the stacks with Amon Ross St. Brown as the bring back. And then, at the running back position, Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson, uh, and then wide receiver three is Noah Brown, and the tight end is Hawkinson. And the defense is the Cowboys. So, yeah, I, reading that off, the the only kind of different play there is James Cook. So that that's yeah, that's probably not great.
0: And <laughs> my lineup, um, I went with Daniel Jones at quarterback. I stacked him with Darius Slayton. I um, also have Jacoby Myers, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs at wide receiver and flex. Um, uh, I also have Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson. So again, I think everybody is going to play Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson, maybe pivot to Zeke as gross as it is. I don't know. Um, I have Dalton Schultz at tight end and uh, the bills is the defense. So again, I left $1,300 on the table, just trying to get a little different because uh, just wait, you're going to make your lineup uh, on uh, Thursday morning. You're going to think you're in the money and they're going to be 1500 people with the exact same score as you have and with the same lineup. So you've got to find ways to get different if you're playing at a big field tournament here. So, um, yeah, other than that, hopefully that was helpful. Uh, a little bit of an insight into just these games as well, but that's uh, what we're thinking for Thanksgiving DFS. It honestly has a great time as much as we complain about how we never win or how, uh, You know, we're going to pick all these chalky players. It's a lot of fun to just refire at each of these games throughout Thanksgiving. So I would highly encourage it. It's my favorite DFS day of the year. So, all right, Ryan, let's get into running backs here. Um, This was a weird week because everyone's back. We have no bye weeks. And I thought that I liked it better with no bye weeks, um, but now that I had to rank all of these guys all together, I kind of miss the bye weeks. Like it's, uh, once you're getting from like RB 21 to 35, it's like all the same guy. So it's really tough sorting through all of these committees. And um, yeah, I don't know if you have any specific questions on the running back slate this week, but uh, lots of committees and it's kind of pick your poison here
1: yeah i mean it, it was similar at the wide receiver position like i i was just like wow just kind kind of going down and down and down and down the rankings and i could move any of these guys 20 spots there's just so yeah. so much replaceability now with no buys it's kind kind of amazing how different the game feels um i guess as far as specific questions uh let let's we kind of touched on it but you said you wanted to get a little more into Saquon Barkley. So what? why don't you kind of give your spiel there and what, what can we expect from him?
0: Yeah, I, I hate to overreact to watching one game, um, but I did kind of minorly downgrade Saquon Barkley. I've got him RB10 this week. Part of it's the matchup at Dallas. I know we've mentioned them as a run funnel defense, but it is still a really good defense. And watching that game against the Lions last week for what we saw, like, Barkley's still locked in RB1. I'm not panicking here, but I think the Lions offense, or excuse me, the Giants offense is slowing down a little bit. Um, the Lions were just selling out to stop Barkley. Um, the Giants just kept running read option out of the shotgun, and everyone went for Barkley. Jones, Daniel Jones was running the ball pretty well out of it, but it's because like everyone was ignoring him. They were just going after Saquon Barkley. And the most concerning part is that Barkley's passing game work has started to dry up. Um, he's topped. 20 receiving yards only in one of his last five games has a 15% or higher target share in just three games this season. He hasn't topped a 20% target share since week five. Like the passing game work is drying up for Saquon Barkley. I think teams are starting to figure out the Giants offense a little bit. And so I don't think we signed up for Saquon Barkley like 25 carries for 100 yards and two touchdowns. That's not what we were looking for here. We wanted the passing game work. And so I'm hoping that with Wandale Robinson out, they'll find ways to get Barkley the ball more in the passing game. Uh, It's just, you know, we can assume what the coaches are going to do as much as we want, but until we see it, um, that's all it is, is an assumption. So I just kind of wanted to minorly downgrade Barkley this week. I'm curious to see if they throw him the ball more now out of necessity, but I'm just a little concerned with his like elite uh, you know, RB1 every week upside, like RB1 overall. So I don't know if I'm I'm panicking on Saquon or not. He still should be in your lineups, but I thought it was worth noting from watching that game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair and it, it makes you wonder if other teams will try to take a page out of the Lions book and kind of do that because yeah, like, yeah, it, it is logical. Like the, this entire offense is Saquon Barkley. Like he, he's, pulling like 50% expected fantasy point shares at, out of this yeah. offense. So it, yeah, it, it is concerning. I, I share that with you, but yeah, much like you said, I I think that Wandale being out is going to open up more targets you and you, you would imagine that they scheme ways to get him the ball because they, they don't really have like a short areas, like slot type of receiver anymore. Like it's Richie James. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like Slayton is going to operate mostly on the outside or down the field. So yeah, I, maybe Barkley is the solution to that.
0: Yeah. And maybe, maybe I'm a week, week ahead of this week behind it. I'm not sure which direction it, it corrects itself this week. And I should have lowered Barkley last week. Maybe that may be what ends up happening, but I do think it's worth noting. We, we really need to see his passing game work increase. Cause it has not been prime Saquon Barkley passing work since like week five. So, fingers crossed. Let's see that come back. I mean, the players I moved ahead of them this week were like Kenneth Walker against the Raiders and Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard, like really good players. I moved above them. So not a big knock on Barkley. Just uh, let's see them throw the ball a little more.
1: All right. You apparently have a Michael Carter take, which is not the player I expected you to have a take on this week. So why, why don't you tell me what what the lay of the land is here in the Jets backfield?
0: Yeah, I I actually put him on the list wanting to knock him and wanting to be like doom and gloom with him. And I started talking myself into him, actually, as I I looked into it more. Uh, His snap share since the Brees Hall injury has gone down every week, but not as steeply as I thought. It went from 56% of the snaps to 52% of the snaps to 50% of the snaps last week. And then you look into it and his three matchups without Brees Hall have been against New England twice, who we mentioned is the worst matchup for a fantasy running back. And then Buffalo, who I believe is like 10th worst. I mean, that's just a good defense overall. So Michael Carter has not had a decent shot here to produce on the ground. I mean, it doesn't help that Zach Wilson is struggling terribly and the offense is just stuck in the mud, but it's been a rough slate for Carter to break out and i'm i'm still not calling him a breakout here i've got him rb26 but um a home matchup against the bears giving up the fifth most points to opposing running backs on the year this looks like a pretty good spot for carter like james robinson has not done anything since coming over he's not demanding snaps like i think ty johnson might outsnapped him last week so Carter. I don't know if his snaps are going to go up necessarily, but nobody's stealing this job from him. And maybe this is his last shot, but I do think this is a good shot here against the Bears for him to get back on track. So I feel pretty good about Carter as a RB2-ish type player, and uh, hopefully he can turn the season around here.
1: The very annoying Jets fans sitting behind me at Gillette were talking the entire game about how they think James Robinson is clearly the best running back on the team. So I... I would do the opposite of whatever the annoying jets fans say. So I I'm with you here. And I, I remember we made this point uh, when the James Robinson trade happened, or maybe when the Brees hall injury happened, that the jet schedule then was not great, but looking forward. Yeah. Bears this week, Vikings, the bills the week after, but they, then they get the lions and the Jaguars. Like the, this schedule is opening up in general. So yeah, I, really like Carter as a buy low right now. So yeah, again, just stamp of approval.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the offense has been bad and I mean, Carter only had 25 snaps on a 50% snap share last week. So it's got to get better. Uh, But for the the fans behind you saying James Robinson, he had 11 snaps last week. Ty Johnson had 14. So uh, I I don't think it's happening for James Robinson. If anyone, it's going to be Carter. So I think this is our last shot. If they can't get anything going against the Bears, it's time to cut bait on pretty much this whole offense. Maybe they'll make a quarterback change and Flacco gets back and uh, then we get excited again. But that's a whole nother conversation.
1: I was just going to say we might need to have that conversation (laughs) because there are rumors in the media that they are considering a quarterback change. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take credit for it because I was tweeting out photos of Mike White playing catch on the sideline and saying that I was going to start the Mike White chant. Uh, I, which di- didn't seem to catch on like I hoped it would. I'm not not really sure why. Um, but uh, yeah, that could have I, backfired.
0: If, you, you don't want Mike White in that game,
1: that's true. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I just wanted any amount of excitement at that point. I, I was freezing in the third quarter. I, I'm standing there thinking, oh my god, this game's gonna go to overtime and it's gonna tie, and yeah. we're gonna be standing here miserable. I, I'm not leaving this game, no way, but I. I was going to be annoyed if, if if it went to OT and we got we got to watch both teams basically just kneel the ball three times a piece on every drive. So and anyways, we were talking about Mike White. Uh, yeah, if we if we get Mike White or Joe Flacco into this offense, I, I'm immediately ex- like actually unironically excited about Michael Carter. So that yeah, there, there are a few outs here for him to be pretty productive down the stretch.
0: Yep. Agreed. So uh, apparently the theme of the running back section this week is just disgusting offenses, right? So uh, we're going to talk about the Broncos now. So buckle in for this one. Um, The Broncos just released Melvin Gordon, which is hilarious, uh, especially when the news followed pretty quickly after that Chase Edmonds has a high ankle sprain. So did not care that uh, a third of their backfield was injured. They went ahead and got rid of Melvin Gordon. Um, Mike Boone's already on IR, at least for another week. Uh, obviously, Javante Williams is watching, sadly, from his couch, recovering from an ACL injury. So it's just Latavius Murray here for the Broncos. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett said that the backup plan involves Marlon Mack and then possibly Divine Zigbo. So we may have Divine Zigbo. It might just be Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack. So this is really thrilling stuff here. Uh, this offense has, like, there's nothing in this offense until Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett fix this passing game. So I don't know. Latavius Murray should be rostered and I suppose if you're desperate he's an RB2 but like he's my RB31 I just don't want a part of this offense until something happens that gets me relatively excited about them scoring touchdowns
1: yeah I I'm done like <laughs> saying awful things about the Broncos this year <laughs> like it it just feels you know, we're we're beating the the dead Bronco at this point <laughs> it's I, I don't know if that's all I can really contribute is a horrible horse pun yeah it just like it's confusing to me that they would make the move of releasing Gordon after the Edmonds injury. Like, I, 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 guess it's just waving the white flag on the season, realistically. But it's just, it's, yeah, I can't think of a backfield that was down bad more than this with, on, with only two injuries that occurred: Williams and Edmonds, who they traded for mid-season. Like it, this just very quick without that many, like bad events this just very quickly became the one of the worst things I've ever seen
0: yeah and my instinct I mean they're playing against the Panthers it was like wow that's a dysfunctional team like if Murray gets all the snaps here that's a valuable fantasy running back but like are, who's more dysfunctional the Panthers or the Broncos like it, it's I don't know how you can bank on a positive game script here for the Broncos at any point so yeah, I'm just stay away from virtually all of these Broncos at this point until I see one good game because they just played the Raiders and got beaten over time. Like that was supposed to be the get right game and it did not happen. So I don't know when it's coming right.
1: All right. Well, let's move into the next absolutely <laughs> dysfunctional backfield. I don't, I don't know why you wanted to talk about these guys, but yeah, I mean, go, go for it. Just t- tell us what is going on with the Los Angeles Rams.
0: So I had this whole segment written up before the Rams uh, released Daryl Henderson Jr. today, like just out of nowhere, he's released, he's gone. Um, I was already saying, I I don't even want to rank these players anymore. Like there's no production in this backfield. And they went and released Daryl Henderson to make this even more confusing. Like there's just no rhyme or reason to anything they are doing here. Like I keep expecting for news to come out on Henderson that he like, I don't know. Attacked Sean McVay in the locker room or something like what? Like something. I've been expecting that
1: news for like two years. To be clear, like it's felt like that one's been coming with how they've treated him.
0: Yeah, and you could say the same thing with Cam Akers. Like I keep waiting for something to come out, but Daryl Henderson is gone. Um, But last week, he only played four snaps after starting the game. Um, Sean McVay said that Henderson felt a little something in his knee before kickoff Sunday. So. How that uh, relates to him getting released, how that relates to him still starting, but then only playing four snaps, that's beyond me. Um, But So last week, Kyron Williams played 55% of the snaps. Cam Akers played 39%. I think people out there are going to try to get excited about one of these running backs because it's been thinned out more. But I don't think it matters. Like The running backs for the Rams, uh, only five times all year have they scored 10 or more PPR points. Uh, Four times were Daryl Henderson, one time Cam Akers the season high score that I could tell from a Rams running back was week six with 13 PPR points from Daryl Henderson. Like Matthew Stafford's banged up, Cooper Cup's out. Like I I don't even know if we should roster any of these players, Ryan. So it's brutal. This offense is horrible. None of these players seem to have any talent. Like I just can't get behind starting any of them, even with Daryl Henderson gone now. So Uh, it was really funny to see Daryl Henderson tweet. Like, um, I think it was emoji with sunglasses on and I believe a peace sign after he got released. So he seemed excited about it. I I don't know what's going on in Los Angeles, but it's a mess. And I don't want any part of this offense.
1: Does that count as a running back tweet instead of a wide receiver tweet? Like, I mean, the running, back. what is the running back tweet? It's like, keep grinding. I, I guess that's not really keep grinding that he's just chilling at that point. Um, but yeah, it, I just,
0: was, it was not as uh, cryptic as a wide receiver tweet would be after release, though. So I, I think maybe it still fits Denny Carter's uh, profile there.
1: Yeah, I, I would say it does. The only other thing I want to remind people of is that the Rams were trying to be buyers at the trade deadline and were offering first round draft picks for Brian Burns. And the Panthers said no for some reason when this is could very easily be like a team that will be drafting in the top five for the next three years so just if if you were wondering like just how deep the dysfunction goes in in Los Angeles right now uh that yeah that's all you need to know don't don't get into Kyron Williams don't don't do that to yourself
0: yeah and, and I totally understand the whole running backs don't matter argument and why a team like the Rams would not necessarily care who the running back is but I never understand when they go to such lengths to like sabotage it too like you know like cam Akers was trying they're trying to trade him and he was benched and now he's back and now daryl henderson's released it's like why don't you just keep these guys happy and keep them on the roster and rotate them in like i don't make this any more difficult than it needs to be
1: all right let's move into the wide receivers now i'm i'm Please. just I, yeah like I, you just decided to torture me with these running backs. Um, I, I, I'm i the one that put the Broncos on the show sheet. I shouldn't give you all the blame, but yeah. Let, so now that we are going to talk about good players, my first guy is Demarcus Robinson. <laughs> um, uh, he, he is my wide receiver 46 this week, but I do actually have good things to say about him. So he is leading all Ravens pass catchers in oppo per game over the last three weeks. That includes Mark Andrews. Uh, he just caught all nine of his targets for 128 yards against the Panthers. Yes, I understand the Panthers are dysfunctional, as we just said, but eight targets back in week eight against Tampa Bay, which was the game that Rashad Bateman got hurt. Uh, Robinson is just the the alpha, if you can call anybody that right now, as far as the Ravens receivers go. Uh, Devin Duvernay just hasn't been involved. I know he was flashing earlier in the year, but... On the season, DuVernay is being targeted on only 14% of his routes uh, to DeMarcus Robinson's 20%. Uh, 14% horrible. 20% is not amazing, but potentially usable if you're running a decent amount of routes. Uh, and now that that is happening for Robinson, who ran 30 uh, to DuVernay's 35 last week, he is like a usable desperation wide receiver for type of play. Um Jacksonville is a decent matchup obviously so it just all these factors are coming together to make Demarcus Robinson an unexciting desperation play that probably nobody will need on a week when there are no buys
0: (laughs) I'm actually glad you brought him up because Drew and I were looking at the top five scores for receivers last week and it was like you know T Higgins and all the big names and then Demarcus Robinson just dropped in the middle we were like huh that's interesting so it does make sense in some regards where Devin Duvernay he's been a really good like return man, they like to give him the ball on reverses and jet sweeps. I mean, he is not your typical like alpha wide receiver profile. I know that DeMarcus Robinson is not either, but it does kind of make sense that they would want someone else downfield catching wide receiver outs and Duvernay still kind of playing his role. So, I don't know, I we've been burnt by Robinson before. I don't want to trust him, but I do want to trust Lamar Jackson in general, and there's not a lot of weapons there. So it's, I think it's probably, it's tough to get him on your roster in a lot of leagues, but I would not be at all shocked to see him put up a a worthy fantasy performance this week.
1: Yeah, that is kind of the problem. He's not, he's not like a player you're stashing for any sort of theoretical upside. It's just, it's just, oh, I'm, my roster's down bad. I need a deep yeah. desperation play, like right now type of guy.
0: Yeah. But I mean, yeah, six catches in week eight, nine catches last week. Like he, he's had a little bit of production. So yeah, keep an eye on him. Uh, maybe some deep leagues or some DFS situations. Uh, he'll be useful. So uh, who you got up next to wide receiver?
1: Yeah. Speaking of DFS situations, uh, I did do a full write up on Darius Slayton this week. Uh, I was kind of holding back a little when we were talking about him up top. Didn't wa- didn't want to give away all all the cards right there at the beginning of the show. But he did just lead the Giants in routes run. Obviously, he's competing with guys named Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James and whatever's happening with Kenny Galladay at this point. We, we I don't know if we've talked enough about the just the career arc of Kenny Galladay. it's it, it's. I feel like it's quite unique but that that might be something to dig into in the off season if we can find any comps for what whatever's happened with him uh but but going back to slayton 20 targets for him over his last three games he's actually been really efficient too uh eric you were saying that he was looking good when you watched him for what we saw the analytics agree with you 2.3 yards per route run on the year that that's like very good I, the only problem kind of going forward is that The Giants have a negative 8% pass rate over expected this year. So they are run heavy and matched only by the Titans, Falcons, and Bears. Those are the teams that throw less than them. So just just to give you an idea. Uh, But if Slayton is the only guy in that passing offense, then that can make him like a wide receiver three type of play every week. This week we talked about the matchup with the Cowboys. It's not ideal, obviously, and he's priced like right by Gabe Davis and Jacoby Myers, Adam Thielen, who I I probably like those plays better generally, but I don't hate Slayton. And, and yeah, if we're if we're doing the Galaxy Brain Daniel Jones stacks, then put, put him in all of those.
0: Yeah, I mean last week, like Isaiah Hodgins was the third most rec- used receiver as far as snaps go. Um, That was with Wandale Robinson around. Richie James didn't really even get involved. Like he's a name that we know from the season. He's been on the field a lot, but he wasn't really that involved until Wandale got hurt. So, I mean, it's really like Darius Slayton here as far as like someone that Daniel Jones has a connection with. So I'm shockingly high on Darius Slayton going forward. We'll see if he disappoints us this week, but I think if we get a good game out of him this week, it's kind of full steam ahead with him. He he should be a pretty, pretty productive player going forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. If he, yeah, if he plays well this week, then he's just going to be locked into that wide receiver three range. Um, Next, I want to talk about Traylon Burks. Uh, So part part of this is to give you another opportunity to gloat here, Eric. Uh, But just before we get to that, 2.1 2.1 yards per out run on the year for Burks was obviously heavily involved throughout that game against the Packers commanding eight targets uh this week he gets the Bengals i have him ranked as the wide receiver 37 the worry is like that this doesn't turn into a shootout uh, because the Bengals are only favored by two points, which kind of surprised me. I don't know how you feel about that as a Bengals fan, Eric. Don't know if that's disrespectful or not, but the either way, the Titans are going to be run heavy on the year. Burks has a 21% target share per game and 27% air yard share those aren't like incredible numbers for like a low passing volume offense but i it was a 30% target share last week so if that type of usage is what he sees and i I'm not that crazy to think that a rookie is going to become more and more involved at the end of the year like that then he can easily surpass like the low end wide receiver 3 i have him ranked as so and I do will also say I have him one spot above Drake London this week, just for you, Eric. So <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to pull out your, uh, your trail on verse Drake London spreadsheet comparisons that you, you were sending around this past week, but uh, yeah, go, go for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did that before last week's games and, uh, Drake London promptly got a touchdown real early. I was like, Oh no, what have I done? Uh, Drake London's going to, here's the breakout, but, uh, London ended up having one catch for two yards and a touchdown last week. So that was, that was all he did. So yeah, I mean, I am encouraged by Traylon Burks. He only played 50% of the snaps last week, but he's still working his way back. And I would just much rather take a shot on the talented receiver that they're feeding the ball when he's in the game, as opposed to Drake London, where it's just, I mean, I know the Titans run the ball a lot, just like the Falcons, but Ryan Tannehill is a much better quarterback than we give him credit for. He is not, Going to win Super Bowls. He's not. He's not exciting, but he's going to run the offense. He's going to distribute the ball. When you have Derrick Henry scaring opposing defenses, like Tannehill can hit receivers off of play action for big gains. I mean, we've seen it for years with AJ Brown. So I know Burks is not AJ Brown, but I just like I've always thought this is a really good spot for Traylon Burks. He's far superior in talent to the rest of the receiving core. They're. I mean, they're getting Austin Hooper involved lately, Ryan. Like they they need talented receivers and. I don't know. I think this matchup against the Bengals, you said the Bengals favored by two. Like, I think the Titans could see that as a knock on them. I mean, Titans are at home, I believe. And I bet a lot of Titans fans think they should be favored against the Bengals. So I I think it's going to be a close game and it's going to be a fight. We know the Bengals can't run the ball. They're going to be throwing it. And if they can put up points, like the Titans are going to have to keep up a little bit. And, um, I don't know with the Bengals without Ch- Chidobe Awuzie at corner, they're a beatable secondary. So I I like Burks this week. I you're always worried that Henry's going to run the ball 40 times and they're going to get out to a lead. That's going to be a part of it. But uh, when you factor in the the landscape of wide receivers, I like Burks.
1: Yeah, I, the only other thing I'll add about London is the the Pitts injury makes him way more interesting That's rest true. of season in redraft. I think. Yeah, uh, like the the downside potential is like Ar- Arthur Smith at my Thanksgiving dinner says, well, yeah, pits is hurt now. So we're going to run 50 times a game. And so <laughs> there, that's always a possibility and, and feels kind of like a probability, but I mean, London is the only guy running routes now, basically <laughs> now, now that Pit, now that pits is hurt. So it def- definitely would be looking to add him where I can on the cheap. If that's a possibility before my trade deadlines.
0: I, I do agree with that, um, but we'll, we'll, see. Maybe Drake London can get his first 100 yard game of the year. There's still time.
1: Yeah. I'm sure he'll get there. Uh, speaking of guys, I'm sure we'll get there. Um, the, the, I don't have a ton to say about this last guy. It's more of an apology that a lot of these are apologies actually. Now now that I'm looking down the show sheet, but I have Greg Dortch ranked as the wide receiver 26 this week against the chargers. Uh, it's the problem is he's getting the exact same amazing usage that Ron Neilmore does. Uh, we, we, Moore was very quickly knocked out of the game the other night. So Dort's tied for the team lead in routes run. He got his eight targets out of the slot. Like he's, he's just going to keep doing this just like Ron Nilmore was. So I, I don't know what else to do, but rank him around the wide receiver to borderline every single week. Uh, The Chargers aren't like an amazing matchup for opposing receivers in fantasy, but this game is tied for the second highest over under on the slate. So it it is an attractive game environment that you want to play guys in. And Greg Dortch is easily the best, like pick him up and plug him in type of wide receiver play this week.
0: I would agree. I mean, we've got to see, does Marquise Brown make it back from IR? Does Rondale Moore play? But even if Brown is back, I mean, they've been playing with Colt McCoy, quarterback. He's going to need check down options. Zach Ertz is out. Uh, it's just James Conner running back. They don't even have that James Conner. I mean, that uh, Chase Edmonds type role running back to to dump down passes to. So, yeah, I mean, they need someone to check the ball down to. They're probably going to be losing in a lot of these games. And I, I agree with you, whether it's Rondell Moore or Greg Dorch, uh, I think we can probably play them. So uh, keep an eye on those injuries with Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore. But Greg Dorch is certainly back on the radar.
1: Yeah, it, if Hollywood Brown plays and I, I'm still on Greg Dorch, I, th- I think it's a way, I think it's a much larger question how Hollywood fits into this offense, uh, especially com- coming off like a fairly major foot injury. So, yeah, I, yeah especially in this first game back, I, I would just assume that I, well, we know Dorch's role isn't going to be affected by Marquise Brown. They play totally different positions. So, it, yeah. either way, as as long as Ronnie Moore isn't playing, then Greg, I really, I mean, just, Sub sub in either one of them, whichever whichever one is getting the start is the low end wide receiver too.
0: Yep. I've been uh, playing some call of duty with my brother. I I guess Kyler Murray's been on there too. It, it times <laughs> up the new Call of Duty with this injury. So um yeah, we'll see if Kyler gets back. But I I would not be real excited about Marquise Brown if Cole McCoy's out there, I guess is what I would say.
1: Yeah, that's totally fair too. I mean, his his game is gonna be mostly about the deep ball. You kind of need Kyler Murray for that to happen, yeah.
0: All right, let's go quick through quarterbacks and tight ends because it's a lot of the same names. Uh, who you got for quarterback streamers this week?
1: Uh, Marcus Mariota is always is like yeah. my QB sixteen. F- he's forty two percent rostered. Please get him over fifty percent, people, <laughs> so that I can stop putting him on this show sheet every single week. I don't like. I don't have anything to actually say about him. He just continues putting up streamer level production. You can't get too mad about it. Uh, the the commanders are a pretty average matchup and he just had 13 rushing attempts, which was a season high. So yeah, play play Mariota. Other than that, uh, Matt Ryan is going to be my top streamer besides Mariota this week. He's my QB 17 against Pittsburgh, 15% rostered. So the Steelers have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to the opposing quarterback position. Matt Ryan isn't getting anyone excited. He's Only got 6.2 air yards per attempt since coming back in week 10. And the Colts have been down at a minus 6% pass rate over expected since then. But the Steelers are a pretty major pass funnel defense. Uh, And I would expect Ryan to continue with these kind of quick throws, especially with TJ Watt on the prowl at this point. So they'll want to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And that will probably work fine. Uh but look, I mean the cults are favored by two and a half points at home. So you're you're probably playing that over like an Andy Dalton against the 49ers, which is so extremely cursed. Uh Jacoby Brissett against the Bucs. Like I, I'm just strangely kind of settling on Matt Ryan as the like deep streamer this week. There's no, nobody else to really consider. I no quarterbacks are on by, so it's unlikely anyone even needs to stream this week. Like just if you have been streaming, just continue playing Mariota. But Matt Ryan is the, the other option.
0: Yeah. A lot of people might have picked up Jimmy G last week. He threw for four touchdowns. Probably could roll back with him again. Yeah, I agree. Most people probably have a, a decent quarterback option for this week. So okay, let's get to tight end. Um <laughs> I'm going to start here with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, Ryan. I want to know what in the world the fantasy community is doing because, like, we've been out on him for most of the year. Uh, he finally played his highest snap share of the season last week at 42%, and now he's under 50% rostered. Like, what is everyone doing out there? Like, he. So we were all rostering him when he was playing 25% of the snaps, and now that he's creeping up towards a respectable snap share, we're, we're out on Taysom Hill? Like, I, I don't know what everyone's doing out there. He's my tight end fifteen. That's not great, but um, here's a quote from the Saints' coaches. Right, and you're gonna like this one. Uh, they realized they were underutilizing Hill's unicorn skill set. Um, so they realized that before last week that he's a unicorn. They were underutilizing him, and it's kind of reflected. Like he was playing under 30% of the snaps all year. Um, he's played 33% or more each of the past four weeks. 40% or more in each of the past two. So. Taysom Hill is um, eligible to be a streamer now, and he kind of makes sense now that he's actually creeping towards 50% of the snaps. So tight end 15, nothing to get excited about, but I, I give people permission to play him now.
1: So what you're saying is that his package is slowly growing as the season's gone on. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, it. I think it just goes to show that the these roster percentages are almost entirely just just driven by fantasy points. Uh, it, yeah. like it, it's, I mean, Taysom Hill hasn't scored five touchdowns in a game in a long time, so people are finally dropping him. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll com- completely endorse kind of snagging him as, yeah, it, it makes sense as you said. And they were
0: actually using him a bit as quarterback last week. That's what everyone was hyping up as like a, a game breaking thing that you could get out of Taysom Hill. He was rotating through series. So it's probably a time I still wouldn't want to start him, but I do think it's a time of the year where you could justify having him on the bench and, Maybe somehow you get Taysom Hill starting quarterback out of your tight end, and that sounds uh, awfully appealing. So other streaming option, I've talked about him a lot recently, but Juwan Johnson, the real Saints tight end, uh, he's still only 31% rostered. He's got a touchdown in three straight games, five touchdowns over his last five, uh, three straight games with 40-plus receiving yards. You know, he's he's fine. He's my tight end 11. And then another streaming option is Logan Thomas is finally kind of getting back to – Logan Thomas, maybe we've seen before. He's only 6% rostered, which I would bet is below a lot of injured tight ends on IR like just that are still on rosters. Uh, so Logan Thomas is out there in all leagues. He plays the Falcons this week. Really nice matchup. They've given up the eighth most fancy points per game to the position, and that's despite only allowing one touchdown. So they're giving up some volume there. Uh, Logan Thomas had a 26% target share last week. He's playing on 68% or more of the snaps each of the past three weeks. So he seems to be getting back healthy. We can probably start playing him. It's still tight end 14. Hopefully you've got better options by now, but he's out there in all leagues. If, if you need Logan Thomas, now might be the time to pick him up.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, along with this, like the Curtis Samuel usage has been falling off a lot too. I'm sure that those two things are kind of connected where I I mean, Samuel was seeing Like all of the those like slot targets and kind of close to the line of the scrimmage work, and he just hasn't been as involved recently. So yeah, maybe it's Thomas that is kind of taking over some of that in the game plan at this point.
0: Yeah. All right, let's get into defensive streamers real quick. We're uh, stealing some of these from Michael James's article that's going to be coming out um, in the morning on Wednesday, Um, but. A couple that he he noticed here were Kansas City Chiefs uh, home against, well, playing the Rams. I'm not sure who's at home there. Uh, Miami Dolphins against the Texans, Carolina Panthers against the Broncos, or Indianapolis Colts against the Steelers. So those are some of our streaming options this week. Um, Ryan, do you have a favorite matchup of those?
1: Well, I mean, we've got the (laughs) – we've got – Uh, defense is playing the two teams that we spent like 20 minutes making fun of on this (laughs) podcast so i i guess if i'm picking one i would go with the chiefs because yeah i i feel like the rams are the the most down bad like are are we get i don't know i i feel like it's it is a two-horse race between the rams and the broncos whether you're you would like to stream against them the most um I could, I would say the chiefs just because I'll take their defensive personnel over the Panthers. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Is Do you have a lean either way there? Probably the chiefs. I I actually chiefs or dolphins would probably
0: be my options. I I just like that. Those are good offenses that are going to get a lead. And I would like to see the Rams or Texans be forced to air it out, you know, from behind. So I probably lean chiefs or dolphins, those would be my picks. The Panthers, Broncos, Colts, Steelers, like I, you could tell me that any of those teams are winning 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter. And it wouldn't shock me. So I, I think I'll go with those good offenses and hope their defenses get a pick six for you.
1: Panthers Broncos opened at like a 35 and a half point over under, by the way, I'm pretty sure that's the lowest of the season, at least the lowest I can remember. So I, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe just take that, maybe take that game actually, now that I'm I'm talking myself into the other side here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you've updated your quarterback rankings yet, but we get uh, a Sam Darnold appearance in that one, Ryan. They seem to have uh, gone back to Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold against Russell Wilson, feel the excitement.
1: Oh man. Yeah. I, the, the, it was reported that he was gonna, this was his opportunity for the Panthers to get, get a look at him and for Darnold to make an impression for next year. I'm like, has Sam Darnold not already made an impression? Like, we didn't we do this last year? Like, I, I just, yeah, he, I, I don't know what impression they're expecting to get.
0: He's still just 25, Ryan. There's, he's got his whole life at <laughs> him.
1: Oh uh, yeah is is Sam Darnold the new um is Sam Darnold like the new Allen Robinson where you you just say other quarterbacks that he's younger than and that that's like every tweet that you send for a month long uh, yeah. I I mean Josh Jacobs is that running back he's 24 by the way so there are pl- plenty of running backs you think are young that are older than Josh Jacobs so they yeah J- Josh Jacobs and Sam Darnold and Allen Robinson all all coming out of my mouth in the same breath. I'm so sorry, Josh Jacobs.
0: It's really wild that like, I think Sam Darnold is pretty close to the same age as Joe Burrow. You know, it's just like some of those comparisons.
1: You like there it is. Yeah. It's it's Joe Burrow His yeah. I
0: don't, I don't think he's going to get it. Ryan. I don't, I don't think he's catching up to Joe Burrow and the, uh, the the NFL processing despite the, the age.
1: Yeah. Oh man. What a, <laughs> It feels like this is the point of the NFL season where there there are just teams just transparently falling apart. I guess this does kind of happen every year, but it it hit it hits me like a truck every time it does it's like oh there there are teams I actively just do not want to watch. like if they're on primetime, I'll just skip the game.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? If you want to do that, check out our What We Saw article and podcast every uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. It's a, it's a great way to catch up on all the games that you do not want to watch. So, good plug there, Ryan. We'll use that as a transition. But um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you all have a good Thanksgiving or whatever you're celebrating this week. Uh, hopefully, you at least get to enjoy some time off. Uh, we'll be coming back to you with what we saw. Check out Sit Start on the website, all the usual stuff. We'll probably bump most of it up a day. So, we'll have all your regular articles there. But Um, Yeah, hope you all enjoy the week. Uh, Put your feet up, eat some good food, and we will be back talking with you here soon.